tremendous last several weeks of connection and hanging out after service. It's been so much fun to get to know many of you, uh, have conversations just because we just haven't had proximity, the ability. So it's just been so fun to watch as our, our corporate family interacting and blessing each other, hanging out, having a meal. Hasn't it been fun? Really, truly has. This life coming from that. And I uh, just want to say thank you for everybody that's been participating, hanging out, connecting with one another. That stuff really, truly matters. Do you know that? You know how much that matters? It matters so much. Has anybody ever gone through something difficult in life? Anybody? Uh, check your pulse. You alive? If you're alive, you've gone through something difficult. How many in here have ever faced a situation where you needed the assistance of someone else in order to make it through? Anybody? I, I broke my back when early on in my teenage life. Uh, I was an extreme sports athlete and um, just the repetitive crunching of my back and mixed with a birth defect and several other you know, circumstances led to me beginning to lose function in my right leg because my nerve... Uh, damage was so bad. So they had to do a surgery, and the surgery led to spinal fusion, and uh, three surgeries later, I am a robotic human being here, right? But in those times, I was experiencing such dramatic uh, pain, I was paralyzed. I was not able to function. I needed someone to help me. Now, you might not ever have experienced that kind of debilitating, life-altering sort of pain in a physical nature, but maybe you've gone through loss. Maybe you've experienced the breakdown of a marriage, loss of a child, a family member, you know, taking their own life, maybe tragedy. Maybe your community suffered some kind of a violent experience, and maybe there was a breakdown of such pain in the social or emotional re reality of life that you were unable to function. I, I don't know what your story is, but the reality is, is that we need people. The, the infrastructure of life is not built on organizational structures. The stuff that actually walks us through and helps us get off of the mat of life. Jesus walks up to the paralyzed man who's been there for a very long time. He says, why don't you just get in the pool? You know, the pool, when the waters get stirred, the pool of Bethesda, an angel comes down and stirs the water, and first one in the pool gets healed. So you have a lot of invalids laying around the pool. People hanging around, hoping that something will change. Jesus walks up to this man and says, hey, what's going on? Interacts, just connecting out of this young man's mouth says, I don't have anyone to move me into the waters when the waters are, stu are, are, are stirred. I, I, I would get up off of my mat. I would be healed. He had hope. He had anticipation. He knew God was good. He knew if he could just get in the waters, but he had no one to move him into the waters. And so the expression of his life is, I don't have 
And it's not an excuse. He didn't have. He needed an intervention, somebody to help pick him up off his mat. In life, we experience these kinds of things. Did you know that the world goes through junk too? Anybody? Or is it just Christians? Are Christians the only people that experience pain in life? No. No, the world goes through it too. The world needs people to come along and help them. Help them off the mat. Help them to regain function. To walk with them a little bit. You know, this is a universal truth that people need each other. And I am appreciative of anything, any kind of organization or structure or program, government to nonprofit, anything that helps people. I'm appreciative of it all. Appreciative of anybody who's willing to put themselves in between humanity's needs and help them get back on their feet again, aren't you? It's worthy cause. You might disagree with the politics behind something, but come on. It's a worthy cause to help people. But how many know that the structures and the organizations and the programs that men create will always, underscore exclamation point, always fall short? Always fail. There is not the silver bullet of some kind of thing you could create and it suddenly solves everything. Doesn't exist. You may not like how somebody has organized their thing or the politics behind it or the, but can I tell you that the ministry of stepping into someone's life who has been knocked to the ground and they need help, that that thing of you reaching your hand out and touching the need, that that thing is Christ. That giving people hope for a better tomorrow, that's Christ. In the midst of that compassionate response to human need, that thing manifests the character and the love of the Father. <laughs> You're not sure what to think right now. Did we come to church this morning? My goodness, what a day we live in. So much need in the world. I wonder what God's answer is. I wonder what the Lord is up to in these days. What kind of an organization do you think he's building? What, what, do, do you think he's forming a new nonprofit to solve all the world's problems? Nope. You know what his answer is? It's the same answer it's been from the very beginning. The solution is not a structure. It's the church. It is people connected to the Father, stepping in and touching human need. It's people. I heard this interview once, and it was with a, uh, it was with a witch, like witch and warlock. It was with someone who was practicing the occult. And uh, it, it was a Christian interviewing this person who was practicing the occult, and they were asking about, you know, their 
Like, wh- why, how did you get into this? What's, the, what's going on in your life? That, you know, and the assumption, I think, from the Christian world is, oh, it's darkness, and it's, it's evil, and, and so that we assume an evil intent or something. But the person's response was quite normal. It was that they had an appetite and understood that there were spiritual realities, and they wanted to be connected to it. And so when they asked, well, why don't you connect with the church? There's spiritual power there. Why don't you relate with the church? They said, because I don't feel any kind of connection to brick and mortar. There's nothing alive in brick and mortar. I feel more connected to the trees than I do to buildings. Enters in the fundamental misunderstanding that many Christians also hold. That the church is not a structure. That the church of Jesus Christ is people. Repeat after me. The church is people. The body of Christ is not an organization. We might use organizations to do stuff. We might use the wineskin of a structure to accomplish things. But, oh, friends, the church, the answer to humanity's needs, the answer is God among us. Emmanuel, God in you, the hope of glory. God in you, eternity, touching time in you. You reaching out and touching others and watching as the very eternal life of heaven touches other people's needs. Is anybody alive today? (laughs) Why does that matter? Because the organization will always fail you. The structure will always fail you. Doesn't matter how good it is. I think we've built a pretty decent structure. I really do. The house church. I think there's some um, awesome things about it. I I think there's some very wisdom-oriented things. The Holy Spirit spoke to us as we... But can I tell you, as a member of this community, as as one among us, that this community, the expression of God in us and through us is so much greater the farther it gets away from the building. That the life of heaven that's transforming the world around us can't be contained in brick and mortar. That you are the extension of his power in the world. Now, before I get too far along here, I want to pray, want to welcome the presence of God because he's here, but acknowledging him helps us to tune in a little bit. Are you with me? So would you take a hand, just put it on your own heart. Because I believe the Lord wants to speak to you today. I really do. Like a tuning fork, he wants to strike the sound of heaven and bring your life into alignment. Because you were made for far more than what you're currently experiencing. Father, this morning I am asking by the divine hand of God, by the power of your spirit, would you reveal Jesus to us? Reveal his body to us. Reveal, Lord, who you are and what you're doing in the world that we might walk in your ways. Father in heaven, we present to you our need. Lord, we're approaching the throne of grace today. God, I pray that you would unlock the mystery. You would help us, Lord, to come into connectedness with one another. 
And Lord, alignment with your purposes that our lives truly could fulfill, walk in our calling and purpose. God, I thank you for this. I bless our time right now in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said. Now, I just said enough right there for you to chew on for the next couple of weeks, believe it or not. There was way more in that, right? There's, there's so many layers of stuff that I'm gonna say to you today and I, I'm inviting you to like, just catch as much as you can, okay? But don't get freaked out by it. Don't like, don't get overwhelmed. I want you just to tune in and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, make you alive, and whatever you catch, praise God, okay? I can't go back and repeat myself for stuff. We're just gonna blast through it, all right? So, so after, get the podcast, do the, whatever you gotta do to catch back up, okay? In fact, I printed basically the notes I'm working for with this morning on a poster in the lobby, all right? So it's there. Just go take a picture and go home and you got it. All right? Here we go. Uh, this Wednesday, we are going to be talking about the history of the house church, where we came from, our story, if you will. In our story, from where we started to where we are right now, there are so many miracles. I mean, extraordinary things have happened in our church's history. If you've been along for the journey, there have been absolutely mind-boggling, like divine happenings where we didn't mean to, but we stepped into something and boom, there's God waiting for us. Surprise, I'm here, right? There's, there, there are story after story of God's provision and the divine intervention and the prophetic destiny of who we are as a people. Friends like Cindy Jacobs and Ray Hughes, Dave and Deb Crone, these Prophetic messengers, people in the body of Christ, the big C church, body of Christ, that, that speak and decree the prophetic words of the Lord over the church. Every time they come to the house, they speak to us and decree prophetic destiny over us as a people. And my friends, you and I, we've been invited to something really, truly amazing. Impact that goes far beyond what we're seeing currently. But that invitation has a root system. The fruit of a tree starts in the root. The happenings and the expressions of what we do is rooted in our history and story. And on Wednesday night, and this is what I'm inviting you to, on Wednesday night, we're going to be in this room. I'm going to tell the story of the church. Now, normally we do this in like a class, but we are, I'm wanting us, our whole community to hear and to recognize and, and uh, become not just aware of it, but embrace it. And the reason is because if God called you here, then that's your story too. And if, if you'll choose, if you'll open up your life a little bit and be connected, then the root system of what God's done in our history will begin to produce fruit in your life too. We are engrafted into this divine thing that God's doing. Are you alive? Okay, there'll be child care. I want you here. I want you to hear the story. Some of you have heard it before. You know what? I think you need to hear it again. I really do. And the reason is because God's doing a new thing in our day, but it won't be out of the line with our roots. How do you know what God's doing in the earth? How do you, how do you know which direction to go? Can I give you a, a hint? Okay. Signs point in a direction. 
Signs and wonders. These signs follow. Signs point in a direction. But you need at least two in order to draw a line. If you want to know, if you want to predict the future, if you want to, you need a point of reference in the past, and then you need to take inventory of where you are currently and what you see God doing. And then you draw a line from what he's done in your history or what he's done in a people through your life into the future, and you can see where we're about to go. The story will help you do that. Amen? Okay. There's two phrases around the house church that um, we say often. You'll recognize them right away. The first one is, on earth as it is in heaven. Anybody ever heard that before? Yep, on earth as it is in heaven. It's in the Lord's Prayer. It's something that we reference a lot because it defines the apostolic mission. It defines why we're here still. Jesus ascended into heaven, but he left us behind. Why? Well, there's a reason. On earth as it is in heaven. We'll touch that in a second. The second phrase that you'll hear around the church, you'll see it on posters, you'll see it everywhere, is change the world, start at home. These two phrases are like signposts for us. If you put them together, you'll see where we're going. Draw a line right through it. On earth as it is in heaven, where should you start? At home. Simple. Once you hear the story, once you get the anchor point in your heart, you won't be lost again. You'll know where you're going. Amen? Amen. Last week I began to talk about what it means to engage your garden and see God expand his kingdom through your life. And if you weren't here for that, I forgive you. <laughs> but if you weren't here from that, I, I'm going to encourage you to go back and reference it, take a little bit of time to listen to it because it lays a framework or it lays a foundation for what it is that God's called us to in these days. I want to read a couple things for you here. This is the apostolic mandate of the house church, but it goes beyond that. It's what Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. I remember the first time I heard this, I, I was reading how Jesus instructed his disciples. They asked him, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? He said, pray then in, in this way, like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the root system to every prayer is that we are looking to see the will of the Father in heaven and we're looking to live it out here on earth. We gain perspective from that position and then we take action through our real lives. That was the Garden of Eden. That connection with Adam and Eve and the Father that connection is very much real. And then God said to them, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Cultivate and keep. I want you to take our connection and let it be lived out through your life. 
On earth as it is in heaven, Jesus teaches the disciples, and I, I love this because this is his lifestyle as well. You watch Jesus go to the mountain, and he spends the whole night in prayer, just connecting with the Father, communing with him. Have you ever done that? Have a night season with the Lord? Go sit out under the stars. Lean your heart towards him. Father, what are you saying? Lean into that. Spend some time in that and watch as God transforms your perspective. It's amazing. The reason I find it so sort of powerful in Christ's life, though, is that when he would go to do that, you could expect that the next day would be filled with signs and wonders. If Jesus goes to the mountain, the next day it's like healing, raising of the dead, boom, explosion of advancement. These aren't disconnected realities. These are the reality. It's why the disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. How did you do that? We watched you talk to the Father, and then that happened. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and then he modeled it. He lived out this connection, and it affected everyone and everything he came into contact with. He would make his decisions based on his connection to the Father. He would bump into pain and suffering in real people. And out of his connection with the Father, the kingdom would produce a sign or wonder. Eternal life would flow through him and touch the broken. Acts 10.38, I love this passage because it... It's a little snapshot of what was it like to hang out with Jesus? What did it look like? Look at this. Jesus of Nazareth, he was anointed. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good. Everyone repeat after me. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because... God was with him. The connection was lived out. Everything flowed through the connection. That expression, to me, is this perfect picture of what the Lord calls us to do. I think sometimes, though, and this is what I want to sort of draw out, and I might tick you off today, okay? But that's normal, Right? You wouldn't come to church if you didn't want to be offended. Right? I, I gave the invitation in the first service. Listen, I offend you every week in a service. That's normal. You're getting used to that. We should become friends so I can offend you in our personal lives as well. It'd be great. Before the Lord ascends into heaven, there's this commission that he gives. Go into all the world. Teach them. Everything I taught you. Disciple them. Teach nations to do what I'm doing. Baptize them. Bring a full immersion, a full shift in identity to nations. When we read the Great Commission, sometimes I think we see it through a militant eye. Our job is to go out there and do this. You know, the, the problem with the war cry is that we end up 
running over the people that we're supposed to be helping connect. When we get resistance, we perceive it or we interpret it as the devil is standing in our way. Because the Great Commission, after all, is to go out and to run over the world and bring the control of God into the nations, that the nations would be controlled by God. This obviously is an extreme statement and maybe doesn't fully articulate your version or your version of the Great Commission, but I do want to just highlight something for you, that the Great Commission is an invitation to connection, not a command to conquer. And that the only way to connect with nations is to receive them as a gift. <laughs> Ask of me and I will give you the nations. You have to serve. You have to, it's not an invitation to conquer. On earth as it is in heaven is not a militant cry, but rather one that goes low to help people, enable people to get off of the ground of life that they've been knocked to, to help them connect to the Father who loves them so much. There's more to this than get out there and evangelize. Far more. Are you alive this morning? Our generation right now, we have to, we have to, it's, I'm imploring us to, to start to engage the long view to start building for 150 years from now. To live our lives right now like we're laying the foundation for our great-grandkids to live a life that brings glory to the Lord. Okay, hear me out. You might not clap. I don't know. Let me finish the sentence. <laughs> the tyranny of the urgent is always screaming in your face and demanding your time. The tyranny of the urgent is the, the, ah, I'm in need. Culture's in need. Look at the crisis. There's a crisis over there. We need to act now. Roar. After all, that's the great commission. We must do something. And the tyranny of the urgent causes us to begin to act for present tense, right now response, not realizing that it uproots the long term and what God's actually calling his people to, which is to become oaks of righteousness, a planting under the Lord, to steward your garden and to be a blessing. To be trees planted by streams of water that bear fruit through their lives and people around you can find refuge. To create long-term impact. Long-term impact causes us to have to be okay sometimes with the cry of the urgent and ignoring it. Sometimes I think the devil is working overtime in the church to create urgency, urgency fires everywhere so that we, the people of God, stop doing what God actually asked us to do. 
I'm going to share today the vision of the house church because this church was born out of, if you will, like a sign and a wonder. We were not intending to plant a church. This is the result of the presence of the Lord touching us and leading us step by step. We started as a home group. Anybody ever been a part of a home group? Yeah, a few of you? Where's the rest of you at? Come on. You have some friends you hang out with every once in a while? Do you ever have dinner with people? This is what the house church started off as. Small little community, eight people. I'll tell the story on Wednesday in far more depth, but we're just eight people hanging out, okay? We did that every Saturday night, and it grew and grew and eventually became this. The choice to serve one another, to love one another, turns out it works. We did not have this overarching, we're going to dominate the world type vision, like you might hear in other spaces. And for us, it was truly, okay, how do we embrace today? How do we engage today? And that process produced something. And it, the vision that I'm going to present to you today, it is the culmination or the, if you will, what does it mean to be a part of this community? How do I participate in, what does it look like for me to be a member of the community, but be on the same journey as the rest of us? And I, I preach this all the time, and so we call this Vision Sunday, but I, it's really just the repeat, okay? So many of you are going to hear these things, and you've heard them over and over and over, but how many know that until you are clear about something, it's difficult to do it on purpose? I'm going to present to you four sort of behaviors. These are the things that this is what it looks like to participate in the house church. These core activities or core expressions, these things produce long-term fruit. And that's the goal, long-term fruit. A planting under the Lord that brings redemption to the planet. This is a, a picture that the Holy Spirit had given me. I, I was praying one day, and I began to have this vision. And uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, you know, right now, if you closed your eyes, just do it for a little, little uh, uh, trial here. Let's see if anybody's got an imagination. I want you to imagine right now a pink elephant. Can you see it in your mind's eye? Okay, wave at me if you can see it. All right, yeah, turns out it works, okay? In your mind's eye right now, I want you to see that pink elephant grow wings, did, you, did it grow wings? Woo, look at that. Are they small wings or are they big wings? Big wings? Anybody got small winged elephants? Yep, a couple of small wings, right? Because after all, what are the ears for? Of course, you can just flap them, right? Look up here for a second. Right there, if you were seeking the Lord and your intention is to hear from him and suddenly you began to perceive or see I'd like to propose to you today that the Holy Spirit loves to make his words into pictures. He wants to talk to you. Okay? He does. He wants to talk to you. I was in prayer one day, and I began to see the world, the globe. I've shared this before, but I began to see the globe. It was at nighttime from an elevated perspective. You can imagine the globe is just like spinning down below you. And, and I'm looking at the globe, and I can see these little dots of light. And those little dots of light... When I focused on one, suddenly it looked like a bullseye. In the center was a 
deep, bright light. And then there was a ring around it that was a little less light and so on and so forth and expanding, right? Like rings of light. And I knew in this experience that these were, uh, and this was their influence, that that person had a realm of influence. They had people they were directly connected to, and they had relationships beyond that, and they had an extension of their impact in the world, the light of heaven touching them, and it was touching and reaching out. And every time I would focus on a person, I could think in my mind of a, an actual person, and boom, I was seeing their realm of influence. And then I thought to myself, I wonder what churches look like. Turns out churches look the exact same. They have an impact, and then they have diminishing impacts as they go out. Relationships, acquaintances, this sort of thing. The impact of the light of heaven in them. And as I was looking at this, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to look again. Only this time I want you to see all of it at the same time. And when I looked down, suddenly the rings of impact, the rings of influence were overlapping. Every person overlapping, 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 overlapping. And the whole world had the impact of the goodness of God that's expressed in individuals' lives, touching it in some fashion or form. The knowledge of God was already covering the world as the waters do the sea. Your life has a central point of impact. And from that place of impact, you are called to grow, to cultivate, and to keep, to extend what God's doing in you into the world. Change the world, start at home. You hear that phrase around here a lot, and there's four things that highlight this. This is what I want to talk to you about right now. The first one is this. You must encounter God for yourself. Repeat after me. Encountering the Lord. If you authentically encounter the Lord, everything changes. If you encounter the presence of God, everything changes. Your perspective on life will shift. When you encounter the Lord, the light of heaven fills your being and you begin to see life differently. When you encounter the Lord, his love and his mercy transform your life. Look at this. This is Acts 1, starting in verse 4. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples as he's exiting the planet, all right? He's ascending into heaven. This is Acts 1, starting in verse 4. Look at this. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for what the Father has promised. <laughs> he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're going to restore the political nation of Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and epochs the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the earth. You must encounter the Lord personally. Listen to this, okay? 
when you encounter the Lord, his love and mercy start to touch your life and transform you. The broken stuff in your life starts to be reconciled and healed. Relationships get impacted. Your worldview changes. There's so many good things that begin to happen. He inspires you with fresh vision for the future. He gives you wisdom and revelation. He connects you to lifelong friends. He establishes you within his family. Your destiny and your purpose are recognized in God's presence. In other words, when you're in his presence, that's when you can see what you're supposed to be doing with your life. His Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into his purposes. His mercy restores you. He brings healing to your past. He reconciles your relationships. He sets you in a right place. Jesus gathered them together and he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until you encounter. All ministry starts with encounter. All advancement, everything that has heaven touching earth starts with encounter first. Can I, can I look at this though? Look at what it says. It says that the disciples immediately started to ask him about the political nature of Israel. Jesus says to them, don't leave Jerusalem until you encounter for yourself because once you encounter, then you can extend my kingdom. And immediately they start asking about political things. Why in the world is the church still asking this question? Why? I think this is what happens. We begin to have an anticipation of God wants to do something and immediately we try to answer it with natural organizations and natural governments and we want to see God's kingdom expressed through man's agencies. And he goes, whoa, boys, you're thinking of this wrong. You must encounter him for yourself and out of that, you'll begin to bring impact to the world around you. We got to connect you to the source and your connection with the Father will begin to have an impact in your life. Oh, there's so much more there. I don't got time. You're not listening fast enough this morning. We need to encounter the Lord first. Everything starts here. If you haven't encountered the Lord for yourself, this is where you got to start. There's no way to participate in the church if, you don't, if you're not connecting with him. And I'm not talking about religious things. I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about a worldview of your eschatology and how you think things are supposed to turn out and all that stuff. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about your personal encounter with Jesus. Because once you start to see him and hear his voice, that's where your life will actually begin to make impact. We worship corporately in a big group like this because when we're in his presence together, God does things we see differently. We encounter one another. We see the Lord. and So much that happens in corporate worship. How do you encounter the Lord? Encounter him in corporate worship? Like seriously, come to church. Go to small groups. Worship. The second thing, have a quiet time. Get up every morning, read the Bible. Talk to your father. That connection with the father is where life flows through. Primary vision of the house church, that people would encounter God, period. 
You good with that one? All right. I've been hinting at the number two. We preached it all last week, but you got to grow your garden. Number two. First one, encounter the Lord for yourself. Number two, grow your garden. Your personal realm of impact matters. Everybody, look at your hands for a second, okay? Give me some jazz hands. Let's do this. You see those things? I want you to repeat after me. These hands are dangerous. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We, in the beginning, God set Adam and Eve in the garden where that connection with the Father was being lived out as they put their hands to till ground and cultivate a garden. And as they expanded that garden, that rule of heaven was being expressed through, you know, Adam's over there digging a hole for a tree. And he plants a tree. And heaven, in the connection with the Father, is being expressed as Adam does something with his hands. God tells Adam and Eve, I want you to cultivate and keep the garden. I want you to expand it, fill the earth with it. Your connection with the Father is meant to be extended into the people that you can touch, into the relationships that you are connected to. So much energy is spent searching for purpose and meaning and significance outside of our real lives. I need to travel someplace to feel important or significant. I need to get out of my real life to go someplace, to experience significance. So much of our life is spent searching out there for the meaning. (laughs) We're looking for a sense of calling, but that calling is what you can actually touch. Because the Lord and your connection with him wants to touch the real people around you. Your garden is what you can connect with influence. Where can you touch? Where can you affect change? Most likely, it's your family, it's your friends, it's your workplace. God wants you to bear fruit in these relationships. He wants heaven to touch earth. People don't know how to do this, but it's so simple. Just invite him. You know, there's this passage in Revelation that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and he who hears my voice and opens the door, I'll sup with him. Jesus is outside your life, and he goes, Hey, just open up your life, and I'll begin to fellowship with you. Go home today and invite the Holy Spirit into your home. Every time you sit down to a meal with your family, you're going to pray and bless the food and thank God for it. Why don't you invite the Holy Spirit into those interactions? See what God does. Start to invite him into your real life. You're going to go to work today. Invite Holy Spirit into your job today. And watch as signs and wonders follow those who believe. 
It'll be just like Jesus, the Father's connection with you being expressed as you do work, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. You'll watch as God in you starts to touch the world around you. Grow your garden. Be intentional with it. I would like to propose to you today that the impact of your life, the real impact, is felt closest to home. That when we go and we experience and we reach out and, you know, the missions trip or the outreach event or the conference thing or the things, the events of life, those are wonderful. And do those make impact? You betcha. That was a very Minnesotan thing to say there. You betcha. But the real impact of your life is as an oak of righteousness, a planting unto the Lord, you've put your roots down and you're bearing fruit and it's touching the lives that are closest to you. How about this? I know we preach the gospel in the nations. Let's make sure our kids aren't going to hell. Let, let's, let's make sure, let's put the predominant energy of our life into the stuff that we actually can affect change with. Where's your garden? Invite him into it. That's number two. I spent all last week talking about that in detail, but let me move on here. Third thing, engage your neighbors. <laughs> this one is just so funny to me. Just because we... We have tension with neighbors. The, the people that are closest to you, that's where you're going to experience the most tension in life. And this is the very place that the Lord is inviting you to make impact. So when you think about where you live, what if God put you there on purpose, on earth as it is in heaven? What if that's the reason you're there? Man, I hate the place I live. The people around me are so bothersome. Ah, rah, we complaining about our neighbors. Well, maybe that's why you're there. The positive impact of your life begins to be recognized by the people around you, and this is where you're multiplying. God wants you to engage the people around you. Think about this. The five apartments that are across the hallway Five homes across the street. Two to your left, two to your right. Your home. Those ten houses, there's your neighborhood. What if the Lord wanted you to create a cancer-free environment? What if God wanted to touch your family and bring forth life in such a way that it gave hope to people around you who had no hope? What if the Lord wanted to see his kingdom so touch your neighborhood so impact that world that he sent you to there so that that would take place. You know, there's a passage in Luke 10, if you're familiar with it. Jesus sends out the disciples two by two to lots of cities. And he gives them this instruction. He tells them, I want you to come into a community, and I, when you get invited into a home, I want you to speak peace to that home. And the presence of God that's resting on you will come upon their home. And they will then offer you something to eat. They'll host you. There'll be connection. And out of that connection, their felt needs are going to become obvious. 
You should minister to their needs. If they're sick, heal them. If there's something going on, minister to it. And then after they're healed or after God makes an impact, then announce to them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what Luke 10 says. Imagine, you're going to go on a walk anyway. You're going to walk your dog. You're going to walk down that hallway. What if you're walking down the street and you just start speaking peace to those homes? What if you release the presence of God that you're carrying because you connected with the Father today? And you release this Holy Spirit. You said, Lord, I bless. I release your peace over that home. And you did that consistently, those 10 homes around you. What if the presence of God started to minister to those people? What would it begin to look like? Well, I bet you that the wedge that's between your relationship would begin to be undone and you start to have connection. I bet that your neighbor's going to invite you over for a beer. I bet that there's going to be a, le- a level of fellowship that they're going to want to encounter because the presence of God creates that. Why do you like hanging out with each other? Because God's presence connects hearts. He'll do it in your neighborhood. What if you intentionally created some places of fellowship? You know, like a, plot, a potluck. Invite your friends over. Or pot blessing, Sorry. What if you on purpose created some levels of connection? What could happen if God sent you there as a shepherd to help when people are distressed and dispirited to recognize that the Lord wants to move in their lives? What if you ministered to their felt needs? What if they had a project that they needed a little help with and you offered to help? What would begin to take place in that connection? See, this is where the kingdom advances, and this is the very mission and vision of the house church. Very mission and vision. This is the long-term version of what it takes. We want transformation in the Twin Cities. I, but listen to me, we cannot be driven by the tyranny of the urgent or we'll chase our tail. You'll start creating government policies that handle one issue, but we forfeited two generations away. We'll be thinking too short-term and we'll leave situations for our grandchildren that we didn't even think about. But I bet that the Holy Spirit is way more wise than you and I are. And that if we plant it and we minister and we love and we cultivate, that the impact of this will be resounding. Church, did you know right now the house church? Well, this is two years ago. I haven't even measured recently. I haven't even looked at this list. But two years ago, the house church's community, all the cities that we live in, we live in over 140 communities around the Twin Cities and around the world. The house church, that's where you're from. If we list it out, you're not from the same neighborhoods. You're, You're spread out all over the region. How weird is that? We don't advertise like that. That's just how God has put it together. What if that's purposeful? What if God gave us this vision and then brought people from communities all over the Twin Cities and across the globe even? See, we have all these prophetic words about planting churches overseas. We have, we're going to raise up a thousand pastors. These are prophetic words. Cindy Jacobs told us that we're going to raise up the pastors for the next generational revival. What if it didn't look like pulpits? 
What if I'm preaching a sermon to you today and I'm encouraging you and exhorting you, just engage your neighbors? What if what they need to come into the kingdom is simply somebody giving a rip when they fall down and they need someone to help them up? If I had a map that could show it to you, I thought of this too late. I, I wish I would have. I've done this before, but I wish I mapped out all of your addresses. I wouldn't put your names on there or anything, okay? I'm not creeping, okay? But if we mapped it out across the face of this globe, we have been strategically placed. We would already have, if I could just get you, think about this, if I could just get you to start pastoring, loving on purpose, walking with, just connecting, releasing the Holy Spirit to those 10 homes, those 10 families, that's it. That we would already have a ready state of revival across the entire Twin Cities area. We don't, we're already there, y'all. What we need is to receive the commission and activate it. When the disciples came back after Jesus sent them out, he said, go speak peace. You know what their testimony was? I love this. The testimony of the disciples when they came back was, we went into cities and people started manifesting demons and we were driving them out. So you speaking peace and releasing the kingdom, the rule of God's peace over people's homes. Jesus said, and I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. Demonic structures falling down. How? By you ministering peace. Come on. We're so ready with the activist mindset that we forget God called us to be gardeners. Y'all, the solution is in your hands. It's not a new organization. It's the C church, the, the big C church, the people of God. You're already in a thousand different businesses around town. I don't need to set up an official ministry to go minister to businesses. You're in them. Just start speaking peace and ministering the presence of God, and we'll watch Satan fall from heaven like lightning. You're in a bad neighborhood? Yeah. Start praying and decreeing the peace of God over each one of those houses and watch as the demonic influence doesn't have a place anymore. Start fellowshipping with people so that when people go through hard times, you'll be there to give them a hand up and watch as Jesus delivers them, heals them, and the kingdom is announced. Do you see it? Last thing. Because you were asking. I heard you. Pastor Jamie, what is number four? I... Okay, encounter the Lord, right? Number one. Number two, grow your garden. Be fruitful in your life. Engage your family, your real relationships. The grass is always greener on the other side. Quit running from what authentically is in your like, place of influence. Number four. Bless your city. 
Now, this thing carries so much power in it. There is an authority that the sons and daughters of God have to set the prophetic destiny over whole communities. The body of Christ is what sets the reputation of a city. The body of Christ is what's declaring the prophetic destiny over cities. It's the body of Christ's job to decree the word of the Lord and set the reputation, heavenly reputation. This is Proverbs 11, 11. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is torn down. You want to see your city change? Stop cursing it. Stop complaining about it. Stop accusing your political leaders. Stop criticizing. You want to see crime go away? Awesome. Start to release the peace of God and the blessing of the Lord over your city. Set its prophetic reputation so that angels get involved. I heard a story once of um, a pastor by the name of John Kilpatrick. You might not be familiar. It's he was the pastor who was leading the Brownsville Assemblies of God Church when it went into full-on revival. The Pensacola Revival touched the nations like it was so significant. Presence of God, people flocking from all over the world to come and to experience God's presence in, just in that church. And someone asked the pastor afterwards, this is years after, I watched, there's a documentary on it, and and uh, they asked him, they said, Pastor Kilpatrick, what do you think the secret was to the revival? Do you know what he said? He said, I learned the secret of blessing my church instead of criticizing and cursing it. Simple. He said, the blessing sets the destiny there's a principle he learned, and I'm not going to teach out of the scriptures that he learned it through, but the Lord revealed it to him. He said, basically, that when we bless, it assigns a prophetic destiny, and then God encounters and brings forth the prophetic destiny. And so he saw the principle in scripture, and he said, I wonder if it works. And he realized that he was criticizing, critiquing the world around him. He wanted things to change, and he would just criticize it instead of decreeing the opposite. And so he practiced. He went home and he thought, I wonder what would happen if I started doing this in my home. And so he started walking into rooms and blessing it. Walk into the living room. I bless my living room. May joy resound off these walls. May fellowship and deep times of intimate connection happen. And, and he just blessed the living room. And then he went to the next room and the next room and the next room. And, and there was a season in their life after this. After all of a sudden, they're going to move. They have to move their home. And, and so the real estate agents are coming over. And there was a whole bunch of them. They're doing one of these real estate tours where a bunch of agents go and see the house. And they walk into the home. And here's the deal. These agents were sort of antagonistic towards one another. They don't really fellowship. They felt like they were, they were in competition with each other. And so normally on these kind of tours, it's quite quiet in the home because they're all sort of observing and taking notes and, you know, in their own minds playing the game. They got into Pastor Kilpatrick's home and immediately began yucking it up and fellowshipping and laughing with one another. 
And the guy that was sharing this information with Pastor Kilpatrick, he said, when they got up to your bathroom, they didn't leave. They all crowded into the bathroom and were telling life stories and connecting and laughing. And he said, what in the world are you doing in your home? The blessing of the upright. It shifts destinies, changes things. Encounter the Lord. Truly, encounter the Lord. Spend time with him. Come here, worship, engage in his presence. Get wrecked. Let God speak destiny over your life. Let God... Let God transform how you see. Receive wisdom. Man, I have so many stories of people getting divine answers. They come into the Lord's presence and they get an answer for what they were supposed to do at work on Monday. Encounter him. Let him transform your life. Do it in your quiet times. Have a life in God. Let heaven connect with your heart. And then reach your hands out where the kingdom is extended through. And, and be intentional about your marriage. Be intentional about your kids. Be intentional with your friendships. Let your workplace get transformed as heaven is flowing through you and you're cultivating your work. Watch as the people around you go, what in the world is going on with you? You're more productive than people. You seem to be happy. Like... I'm watching your marriage and your life. There's good things taking place. Intentionally engage your neighbors. Do it on purpose where you live because God put you there on purpose. Cultivate your garden and let the life of heaven begin to touch the people around you. Live on the safest street in the Twin Cities because the blessing and the presence of God is there. Live Live in a place where it's a cancer-free environment because you're decreeing the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that cancer has no place in your neighborhood. Cultivate and keep your garden so that you never, your whole, you, the people on your street will never suffer the pain of divorce. Bless families. Walk with those kids that are around you. Be a place where God's presence is encountering and looking in life. Encounter and engage your neighbors and then bless your city. Be a part of it. Sow time and energy into things. Pray for the leaders. Participate in community projects. Come on, organize a national day of prayer. We had Bob Bear, who's a, Bob and Patria are among us. Bob decided that he looked at his city, Lakeville, and he, go, he realized there wasn't a national day of prayer event, and so he organized one. Why? Because he wants to bless his city. And now they have leaders from every aspect of life gathering on purpose to father and mother their community to be spiritual influences in the city. Come on, be part of that. Prayer walk. Start a home group. Like, in, on purpose, be a blessing to your community. And watch as God transforms the world around you. Are you hearing me? Y'all, can you imagine... Can you imagine what your life would look like if you just started doing this? This is the number one thing that I hear from people. Ready? Pastor Jamie, I would love to do that kind of stuff, but I'm too busy. 
What you busy with? Oh, I'm attending these events and these church activities. And Well, I'll tell you what. Your pastor's telling you, why don't you go ahead and cut the church activities out and start to engage your life. I really, I have, I have ambition for you to live amazing lives, to feel what it's like to have heaven smile on you and, and you engage the world around you and, and see actual transformation. If you're running from one thing to the next, can I encourage you? Knock it off. You're missing life. The tyranny of the urgent. Oh, there's a fire over here, and I got to be a part of doing something, and then I got to activate and do this, and I got to do that. If you're running from one thing to the next, you're missing out in life. Be a blessing. Let heaven fill you, connect with you. This is the vision of your church. This is the vision. Oh, I thought I was going to come here and hear this missional call. Yep, this is the missional call. Hear from heaven and live it out. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And watch as heaven's dominion touches the nations. Teach people how to encounter God for real and live a life that demonstrates it. Authentic spirituality. Come on, y'all. It's the call of God on your life. Is anybody alive this morning? <laughs> and then everything else, going on missions trips and going to the nation to do all this stuff, it's all candy. It's all on top. It's amazing. You'll have something to impart to those parts of the world because you'll have a life filled with fruitfulness. Just stand to your feet today. The vision of this house, change the world. Start at home. On earth as it is in heaven. Father in heaven, in this place today, I thank you, God. I thank you for the, the wrestling that I feel in spirit today, God. I feel, thank you for the divine tension that brings people's lives into alignment with your purposes for them. God, I pray that you would encounter them. God, I bless this house. I bless it. May it be filled with encounters with God. May the angels of heaven touch and administer and anoint lives to go forth and do great exploits for the kingdom. God, I bless families that they would be fruitful and deep in encounter with you and with one another. God, I bless the work of our hands and the extension of our labors that it would bring glory to you, God. God, that whatever the work practice is, that we would bring glory to you through it because of our connection. Lord, I pray that you would break off the religious mindsets. I'm trying to get into ministry, Pastor. Awesome. You should stop that and just start living ministry. Holy Spirit, would you activate this community today? Lord, I commission them to be a blessing. I commission you today, church, be a blessing. Receive the apostolic mandate to plant, to put your roots down, to bear fruit, to demonstrate God's goodness and kindness. Lord, I bless your people today. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are bringing together a tribe Lord, people that feel, experience, and know this sense of calling. God, that you're hearing 
that they're hearing your voice today, Lord, and I thank you for them, and I pray, God, that you give them grace, Lord, to engage, to be a part. Weave us together, Lord, as a tapestry for your glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we bless our cities today. Come on, can you get behind that? Can you bless your community? Okay, on the count of three, I want you to name out your city. Where are you from? Okay, where are you living? All right? One, two, three. Lord, we bless our communities. We bless them. We bless them. Cities of refuge. Reformed and the kingdom blowing through them, touching, moving, restoring, reconciling. Heaven would invade in every dimension. God, we bless them today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now anoint each one as they go, God. Anoint them to release your presence to their neighbors and to love their families, to be excellent in jobs, to expand the kingdom, to support one another, knowing that structures will fail, but the connectedness in the body, that's what it's there for. Lord, I bless this community. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face and countenance be upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and grant you peace. And everybody who dared to agree with that said, come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today?